This is your three minutes of time crafting for April 1st, 2019. I'm Mike Vardy. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Starting an online business or expanding your physical storefront online has never been easier thanks to Shopify. This global commerce platform supports you at every stage of your business journey. From launching your online shop to managing a million orders, Shopify is there to simplify and accelerate your growth. It's not just about selling products. So Shopify helps you manage every aspect of your business with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. But that's not all. Shopify helps you convert visitors into customers with the best converting checkout process on the internet, which performs up to 36% better than other platforms. And now a special offer for my listeners. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale up, Shopify is the perfect partner for your business. Managing passwords can be a real headache, right? Think about it. Every website requires a new password. Each one needs to be unique, secure, and somehow memorable. But there's a better way. Welcome to the world of 1Password, where your entire company can generate strong, unique passwords, store them securely, and access them across any device without ever needing a reset. Imagine never having to click Forgot Password again. With 1Password's award-winning design, managing passwords becomes a breeze for you and your entire team. It's trusted by millions, including top companies like IBM and Slack. Here's the best part. My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at onepassword.com slash productiveconvo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it, and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. So every year for the past three years, I've thought about putting together an April Fool's joke where I was going to create an app called Zero Task. 
And the idea was, is that you would kind of put things into the to-do list and you would, uh, as soon as you hit enter, it would just clear the list out and it'd say you have zero tasks. So something kind of, it would be, and that was the initial thought, didn't really flesh it out all that much. And I thought, you know, based on what I do, I don't know how trustworthy that would make me as, as a productivity strategist to do something like that, because there is time taken into entering all your tasks and such. Maybe there would have been an implementation in place that you could have grabbed them. It would have been stored somewhere. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought that this is not really a good use of my time. You know, it's not, at least not right now. It would be foolish to do it. Um, and, and we do a lot of things foolishly. Uh, you know, there is this element of foolish productivity. And I don't talk, I don't mean like what Austin Kleon and I uh, will be will be speaking about on an upcoming episode of the weekly podcast I do, the Productivityist podcast, because we do talk about fooling around with time. And I think you can do that. But there's a difference between fooling around and being foolish, um, especially because if it's sustained, then you're, why are you, like, what are you doing that, like, where is that time going? Where, how does, how does, doing what you're doing lead to any progress. And I think that foolish productivity puts you in a position where you're, it, it seems as if you're doing something, it's like that busy work, but you're not really making progress. And, uh, it comes in many ways and shapes and forms, just like fools do, right? You know, it comes in, in and it can look like productivity. I mean, look at fool's gold versus gold. It can look like actual gold. They can look, they look the same, but one is far more valuable than the other. So I want you to maybe look at your to-do list today or look at the things you've been doing and ask yourself, is this been foolish for me to pursue this, for me to work on this? Either foolish for me to do it at all or foolish for me to be doing it and I should delegate it. Like really look at your to-do list and your task list and your project manager, all that stuff and say, hey, is this something that is foolish for me to pursue, foolish for me to work on? And if it is, ask yourself, is it something that needs to be worked on at all? Is it something that maybe I can delegate to somebody else? Because either, you know, it's not using my strengths, but it certainly would leverage theirs you know, it's okay to self-assess and, and realize that, hey, I'm doing some foolish things. Um, it's it's not okay if you don't do that and you keep doing it and you say, oh, you know what, it's, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Um, it's not fine. Foolish productivity is not productivity This at is all. your three minutes so of time crafting for April 2nd. That's it for your three minutes of time crafting for today. I'm Mike, I'm Mike Vardy. Vardy. See you later. In Austin Kleon's new book, spoiler alert, uh, there's an element where he talks about worrying and the idea of keeping so keep doing this, keep doing that, and then worry, worry. Those words come in at some point in the book. And I want to talk about worry and productivity and how they can go hand in hand and how worry can help you, but it can hurt you at the same time, depending on how you're looking at it. So I think that that the biggest thing that you can do to stave off, to stave off worry is to give yourself other ways to look at your to-do list and the things you need to do so that you nothing really falls through the cracks. Kind of make it foolproof. Yesterday I talked about foolish productivity. You want by by putting a framework in place that you can trust, something that's simple and and and, and flexible for you and, and durable. Um, it, it creates this this almost foolproofness to it, so that when you say, "Hey, you know what? It's Wednesday. It's my listening day, but I'm really tired. So, okay, I don't feel like doing any tasks related to listening. Let me look at all my shallow work tasks. Oh, great! Here's a whole bunch there. Like you're removing decision fatigue from the you know the the, the idea of decision fatigue from the equation. 
So when you do that, you create less worry about, uh oh, is this going to get done? How am I going to do this? Like that worry, which can lead to fear or it's, it's a nice companion for fear at any rate. It puts you in a position where you're not going to be, you know, you're not going to be slowed down for the wrong reason. I think slowing down can be important. But in this case, your, your progress is being impeded because there's some emotional stuff attached to it. And, you know, you want that balance between logic and emotion. You want something that follows in line with reason. But I also think worry can help because what it does, if you're worrying about something, then you want to bring attention to it. So again, I think something that you can do today, and I think this would be helpful, is write down all the things that you could find yourself worrying about at any given time. Things that if they didn't get done, you would worry. Or things that you know you need to do and you're worried that you might miss out on it. And then put a framework in place, whether it's themes, whether it's you know working by modality, whether it's just having a simple reminder at the beginning of the day or a post-it note or something like saying, hey, don't forget these things, that will keep the worry at bay. So worry can be useful. Uh, it could be detrimental, but it can also be useful. So I highly recommend you do this. And I think you can do this for things that, you know, are rather unconventional too. Like I'm worrying that I'm not spending enough time with my kids. Put something in place that kind of alleviates that worry. So again, I don't, you can't eliminate worry, but you can keep it at bay. Um, and you can keep it, uh, you know, as a positive if you, you know, leverage it. So I encourage you to do that. There you go. That's your three minutes of time crafting for today. I hope this was helpful to you. Uh, and this is your three minutes of time crafting it. for April That's 3rd, 2019. I'm Mike Vardy. We all have things that are on our to-do list that kind of just sit there. You know, David Allen's talked about this in his Getting Things Done methodology with the Someday Maybe list, which I think having a list similar to that is important as long as you have a way to pay attention to it consistently. Um, and that's why he often uses it as say a context as opposed to an actual list like what, you know, and, and I think that what a someday maybe list does, or, um, you know, I, I tend to call it like the capture closet, things you put in your closet and you'll go and organize it later. Um, what, what those kind of categories do, what those modalities do, whatever you want to call it, context, whatever, is they create hope. When you put those things down there, there is the hope that they will be something that you can work on at some time in the future. And it's important that you foster hope with your to-do list by capturing those things, which basically are intentions that you may not be able to pay attention to yet. So they are initially probably goals. Um, And goals are kind of like, you know, goals are broader, I think, but tasks are broken down. Goals tend to be related more to projects or initiatives and tasks tend to be things that, you know, can be made up uh, into uh, projects and goals and, and, and or tasks or initiatives. And so I think that the biggest thing you can do is when you have something that you hope for, or that you want to you make sure you foster the hope for, is, is again, write it down and, and maybe create a modality called, I'm going to look at the things that I hope for. And so have a, a you know, hoping, you know, that's an activity-based mode, but like, what am I hoping for? Let me look at all the things I'm hoping for. You can also level these alongside with gratitude too, because I think hope and gratitude go hand in hand, you know, because hope is almost like aspirations, whereas gratitude is here's what I already have. So they can kind of go hand in hand. Um, I, I think that the biggest thing that we don't do is we tend to put all these very practical things on our to-do list, the conventional things. And we don't put things that are, you know, 
that are that you know the people stuff i think the people stuff matters the you know the, whereas as the system stuff should help with the people stuff but the system can fail you people you 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 kind of put your faith that that's not going to happen and and hope is part of that so again if you aren't already doing this find a way to categorize or isolate the things you're hoping for on your to-do list and it doesn't have to be long-term hopes they can be short-term you know and again use the verbs like uh you know hope for this hope that this and and just put that in there because i think that that i know that actually it's better for you in the long run and it makes your to-do list that much more enjoyable to look at because you got something to look forward to that's it for your three minutes of time crafting for today i'm mike vardy and i'll see you later at least i hope to see you later this is your three minutes of time crafting for April 4th, 2019. I'm Mike Vardy. There will be days when you feel compelled to write at midnight because you have something important to say that goes well beyond journaling. There will be days when your system isn't working at its best. There will be days when distractions, disruptions, and diversions get the better of you. There will be days when intention doesn't get the attention it requires. There will be days when attention doesn't get the intention it requires. There will be days when you rush around instead of looking around. There will be days when the resistance wins more than it loses. There will be days when all of these things happen. Here's the thing. The goal is to make them as infrequent as possible. Don't punish yourself too much when they occur. Simply notice it and work towards figuring out how to ward them off going forward. Because really that's the only way you can help yourself to move forward instead of moving in directions that you don't really want to go. Yesterday was a day like that for me. I remember it pretty clearly because yesterday was my listening day and it was the day where I was supposed to listen to the work that I really needed to be doing, which included recording this podcast, which landed almost 12 hours later than usual. You're just getting to it probably now and uh, it's been at least 12 hours or close to 12 hours since I published it. There were other things that I needed to do as well. There were things that I wanted to do, but the resistance got in the way. Stephen Pressfield calls it the resistance, and the resistance comes in many, many forms. And even today, I can kind of feel it. You know, I, I really should be recording more episodes than just this one. And as it stands right now, I don't know that I'm going to do that. I looked at my calendar and I've got a pretty full day. But here's the thing. Like I just said, I'm not going to punish myself when it happened. I'm just noticing it. And I'm going to work towards figuring out how to make sure that I can make today better than yesterday. And that way I can move forward in the direction I want to move in instead of just not moving at all or madly in different directions. So now that I'm done this, and shared it with you. I'm ready to move forward. And I hope you're ready to move forward with your day as well. This has been your three minutes of time crafting. I'm Mike Vardy. We'll see you later. This is your three minutes of time crafting for April 5th, 2019. I'm Mike Vardy. So I've been a fan of Green Lantern for years, not since childhood, but for years. And 
the primary reason that I kind of gravitated towards him is because he's underrated as a superhero and also yet incredibly powerful. So that's where the underrating and the undervaluing comes from. And I tend to do this with all of, you know, my superhero comic book folks. You know, Iron Man for the longest time was underrated and undervalued until he came to the movies. Moon Knight was always like, you know, seen as Marvel's version of Batman. And we all know how popular Batman is. And also, uh, you know, Vision, who is an Avenger, who is one of the more powerful Avengers out there. Yet most people don't don't know who he is. And if they do, they don't recognize that. I remember watching uh, Justice League, the the Super Friends cartoon. And when they talked about, Lex Luthor said, we've got to get rid of the three most powerful Super Friends. It was Superman, Wonder Woman, and Green Lantern. But why am I so fixated on a Green Lantern? I mean, I've, I've talked to Benjamin Hardy about willpower and how he, you know, his idea that it doesn't work. Um, you know, why is willpower such a prominent thing for me? And it boils down to the fact that willpower for me, the, these, the Green Lantern, this avatar, is my way of beating past the detrimental emotions that don't serve you on a consistent basis. Fear. Fear can motivate you, but if you dwell in it, then it can de- you know, debilit- be debilitating. Right? Willpower in the face of fear can overcome it. Uh, rage, which is what the Red Lanterns, I mean, the Yellow Lanterns are fear. Rage is what the Red Lanterns are more powerful. This all came through the uh, Jeff Johns's kind of experiment with the, the spectrum of colors and the spectrum of light. Uh, red is re- rage. And, you know, will, will, you know, with, you can, you can gain some measure of, of control over rage. So there's, when I look at this, this is where all of this comes from. So why do I say the Green Lantern Oath when I'm running and I feel like I'm out of breath and can't go any further? Why, before I meditate, do I say the oath? Why do I why do I have Green Lantern stuff all over my, my, my office? And why do I wear a ring? It's to help me and foster my will so that I can beat back those oppressive and, and emotions and qualities and things that don't serve me over the long haul. I don't know if that's something for you. Maybe willpower is that thing. Maybe it's something else. But I'm owning it. I'm embracing it, geek or otherwise. And if the will for me is the way. And uh, the way that I'm able to tap into it is through this fictional character. That's it for your three minutes of time crafting for today. I hope it was helpful. I'm Mike Vardy. We'll see you next time. Here is your three minutes of time crafting for April 6th, 2019. I'm Mike Vardy. So whenever I sit down to plan, write, or create anything, I, I want to put myself in the best position to build something worthwhile. So in order to do that, I think about all the things I've been noticing up until that moment. The reason I'm thinking about this is that I just received, uh, not too long ago, The Art of Noticing, an advanced copy by Rob Walker. So I've been thinking about noticing a lot lately. So here's what this kind of looks like when I'm writing something. So the first notice, well, when I started writing this particular script, I remembered that there was a book called The Noticer. And of course, the art of noticing brought that to my attention as well. So I decided to dive into the internet and see what quotes I could find from the book, The Noticer, that might help reinforce my writing. And that's when I noticed, fittingly, this quote, listen carefully to me, despite popular belief to the contrary, there's absolutely no power in intention. There's no difference in the person who intends to do things differently and the one who never thinks about it in the first place. Have you ever considered how often we judge ourselves by our intentions while we judge others by their actions? Yet intention without action is an insult to those who expect the best from you.
Andy Andrews, of course, wrote The Noticer. Now, this quote doesn't mean noticing or mention noticing directly, rather, but its message to me in noticing was twofold. Number one, I noticed the quote, and it made me think differently about the direction I wanted to go with this particular podcast or this particular message to you. But I also noticed that the author's ideas of intention really do mirror mine when I say that personal productivity is all about intention plus attention, the partnership of those two things. So really noticing is the is the seed of decision making in a lot of ways. Like you can notice something and decide to explore it deeper. You can also notice something and decide just to let it go. If you're going to dig deeper into it, then you're essentially making it an intention by deciding that it deserves more of your attention. But conversely, again, like I said, you can notice something and decide it's not worth any more of your time. And that means you have no intention to pursue it further. So what noticing does, and this is basically the first part of basically three little podcast things I'm going to do here for, for the for the show, is really to describe that noticing is the seed of decision making. And there is an art to noticing. And I can't wait to dig deeper into this particular book because, you know, we we need to take time to notice things. We need to spend time and revel in the noticing that we do and then be be intentional about which ones we're going, which things we notice that we're going to dig into versus which ones we're just not. So tomorrow I'll talk a bit more about what happens, you know, beyond the first notice, what goes into the second notice. Uh, but for now, that's it for your three minutes of time crafting for today. I hope you noticed something uh, when I was speaking about this today. I'm Mike Vardy. We'll see you later. This is your three minutes of time crafting for April 7th, 2019. I'm Mike Vardy. So yesterday I talked about what noticing does and, and really the first thing you notice. So, and I, I spoke of it in terms of me writing uh, the script for this podcast and actually a blog post that I've written about before about this. But now let's talk about the second notice. And again, this is all in relationships to this Art of Noticing book, The Art of Noticing by Rob Walker. And by the way, he has a fantastic newsletter. So if you haven't had a chance to take a look at that, I, I recommend you do that as well. So the second notice. So let's talk about the the, the concept of noticing because that's what happened is I decided that after looking at, you know, the noticer, that I'm going to explore the concept of noticing further. Now, once again, I began searching for quotes that would kind of fuel the fire and stoke it. So there are plenty of quotes about noticing, but it was difficult to find just the one that could work with the theme of the work that I do related to time management and intention management, and attention management, and all that stuff. So, and I almost gave in because there's just a lot to go through. I kind of resolved that I'd be ending, you know, this podcast in one episode, or if it was a blog post, this piece, you know, basically just, it would already be done. But then I found the quote. I think the journaling is a key to success. You can set clear goals for yourself. You can start noticing repetitive behavior patterns and see the type of things that keep bothering you. And then you can have a bird's eye view of it. This is from Eric Andre. Now, I've written about journaling many times. I've talked about it many times as well. And I'm a firm believer that the power of journaling is an undervalued personal productivity practice. It's why it's really a key element of time crafting. It's it's the thing that, you know, if you're going to forego all the other things and you just want to start by journaling, it's a great place to start because it's the thing that will lead you to the types of themes that you might want to explore as daily or horizontal themes. It'll help you choose, you know, the annual axiom that you might put in place. It'll help you decide on what your monthly theme should be. It will help you figure out what modes are best suited for you when it comes to mode-based work. Journaling is really all about getting out of your head what you've been noticing. 
be it daily stuff or otherwise. And then when you take the time to write about those things that you notice that are going on around you, and actually the things that are going on inside of you, you can make sure that your intentions are getting the attention that they need to flourish. So in this second part, the journaling component is really key. I think that if you spend some time journaling, even five minutes, five minute journal, that's a whole product based around five minutes of journaling. Just journal what you notice, both externally and internally, how you're feeling, what you saw, what made you feel that way. All of those things can be big clues as to what you should be spending and investing your time and attention on. And then those intentions you can bring from intention to action. This has been your three minutes of time crafting for today. I'll be back tomorrow with the third this part. This is your three minutes of time crafting for April 8th, 2019. I'm Mike Barty. So this is the third and final part of my series on what noticing does. And so we're going to dive into the kind of the final notice, the thing that I noticed, you know, after looking at something once, then seeing something deeper there. And now I'm in that third and final phase. So once you've spent time actually noticing things, um, you probably fall in the same pattern I do, which is you start to think about the idea of what happens when you stop noticing. So what would that do? Well, this quote jumped out at me, the idea of dying to be noticed, as that question rattled through my mind. One must always be aware to notice, even though the cost of noticing is to become responsible. That's by uh, Thilius Moss. And, and when you notice something, you, you actually own what you do about it. So if you do nothing, then you're responsible for that. But if you do something, no matter what that something is, you are also responsible for that. So once you notice something, the cost is that you become responsible for it. So if you get an email and you notice it and you notice the contents of it, what you choose to do in that moment, you become responsible for it. Like whether you do something or nothing, whatever you do, because you spent time noticing, because there's there's a cost associated with that, you are now responsible for it. Which is why I find it fascinating that people just say, I've noticed it and I'm going to mark it as unread. You've noticed it. It's red. It's pretty clear. Um, so here are some notable examples, some other ones. So if you notice that you're spending too much time sharing things other people noticed on social media, then you're responsible for whatever comes of that, whether that's good or bad. If you spend some time journaling about what you've been noticing, then you're responsible for whatever comes from that, whether that's good or bad. If you notice that your family needs a holiday and you decide to cut back spending so you can make that happen, then you're responsible for whatever comes of that, whether that's good or bad. Uh, if you spend time noticing, as I mentioned, every email that comes in your inbox and reacting through replying immediately to each one or leaving them unread, you're responsible for whatever comes of that. And if you notice you're spending too much time checking email and decide to limit that time accordingly so you can have more time for deeper, more, more focused work, then you're responsible for whatever comes of that. So as long as we're alive, we are going to spend our time noticing things. What noticing does is it empowers us to make decisions that craft how we spend our time and attention and how we shape our lives. My question is, what does noticing do for you? Well, really, as I just mentioned, that's really up to you. I want you to think about this idea of noticing and, and, and the awareness that comes with the clarity that comes with it and the cost that comes with it. Because noticing is one of the biggest things that you can spend your time on so that you can figure out what you really need and want to be doing in any given moment. This has been your three minutes of time crafting. I'm Mike Vardy. I'll see you later. This is your three minutes of time crafting for April 9th, 2019. I'm Mike Vardy.
When I read Necessary Endings by Dr. Henry Cloud, a great book, by the way, there was a metaphor about endings that stood out in particular to me. So he wrote that in order for a rose bush to flourish, that you don't just prune the dead buds and the, the diseased branches and all that. You actually need to prune the, the buds that are good, the buds that could make it. Um, and really what that means is that, you know, the buds that you're pruning that could have survived are really allowing the, the rest of the buds to kind of thrive. So instead of the bush just surviving, it actually winds up thriving. So I found that really fascinating because when you think about that in terms of like, say, projects or initiatives that you might be undertaking, uh, by pruning some of them, and, and by the way, you know, with a rose bush, you know that branches and buds do come back. So every season, you'll be pruning maybe one uh, branch that was that was doing well, and, you know, seasons ago, and then another one is the one that you let kind of flourish, but then three or four seasons later, you're cutting that one so that another one can. And and it was funny because uh, on my Instagram, I posted a tree that is basically in my neighborhood as you're walking along uh, the sidewalk, there there's this branch that was just cut right off. And the reason is it was getting in the way of pedestrians. It was just too low. And so they cut it. Now they cut it obviously because it was getting in the way of people, but also by cutting it, it's going to let the rest of the tree grow and thrive because it's not trying to feed uh, that branch per se. And it wasn't the first branch, by the way, that was cut off of that tree. There has been several and you could see it based on the, you know, the, the, the cutting uh, that you can see on the inside of it. So what I'd like you to consider is if you're looking at all of your projects, maybe make a list of all the projects that you've got going on. Um, or that you want to start, or that you have started, and maybe they've they've you know kind of um, been uh, languishing, and decide: is it time for their necessary ending? Is it time for you to end them, or or maybe just cut them off for now? You know, we hear about this all the time when it comes to uh, you know um, projects being put on hold and things going on hiatus. I recently put one of my uh, newsletters on hiatus. Uh, it's been on hiatus for longer than that, but I actually announced it was on hiatus. So I want you to think about necessary endings and, and you know, maybe just try to end one thing today that's been kind of sitting there that you feel no longer serves you or others well. And see how that goes. Frame the ending as a way to make other things thrive. I think that's a great place to start, don't you? This has been your three minutes of time crafting. I'm Mike Vardy. This is your three I'll minutes you of time crafting for April 10th, 2019. I'm Mike Vardy. So I'm a bit of a quote fiend and I tend to look around for quotes to post on Instagram or even just get inspiration for, for my writing and for this podcast. And I found one from Winston Churchill. So Sir Winston Churchill. So regardless of your political beliefs or, or beliefs with the man, there was a quote that particularly, uh, kind of grab my attention and it's kites rise highest against the wind and not with it. And the idea behind that is, you know, you're, there's always going to be a struggle and you kind of have to use it to your advantage. It kind of like the obstacle is the way that Ryan holiday spoke about. And I started to think about how this could relate to time crafting. And really it boils down to the, the wind, the struggle being your own mind, so your own belief about what you can and, can, can and can't do when it comes to crafting your time. So this belief that you don't have as much control over your time as you do, 
And then also the biases that show up that say, hey, you know what, there's no way I can theme particular elements of my time, or there's no way that I should be looking at, uh, you know, my energy levels and uh, having that help dictate when I should be working on certain things. Or, you know, I don't have time to break down projects to their smallest particle. So if I write down work on report, then I should just go to work on the report. Um, it's the the element of taking the time to do that. If you if you if you've ever flown a kite, you know that it takes time for it to rise to that that highest uh, peak. You know, the as high as it can, unless the wind is really strong, in which case it takes it up. But then it takes some time to control it and to get it so that you feel comfortable with it at that level because you don't want to lose the kite in the process. So, what I want you to think about today is as we go through this three minute excursion here is this idea that. The struggle isn't necessarily going to be the the external factors, you know, the people that you're working with, uh, you know, whether it's the people you're living with too, your family. You know, they may not necessarily see how the way that you work is necessarily going to work for them all the time, but also the internal struggle that comes with that, because again, the external forces can take its toll on you internally. Just remember that the more you embrace how uh, you want to craft your time and doing it bit by bit, the better you'll get at it. So that's that's the takeaway I want you to have today. You know, embrace the struggle, like lean into it, own it, and then figure out a way to, uh, you know, make it more palatable as you go so that you're not overwhelmed along the way. And that's one, one thing that time crafting can do for you. You don't have to adopt it all at once. You can adopt it piece by piece. And as you do, you, you go higher, further, and faster. This has been your three minutes of time crafting for today. I'm Mike Vardy. I hope you're enjoying this daily dose of time crafting and uh, I'll see you later. This is your three minutes of time crafting for April 11th, 2019. I'm Mike Vardy. Have you ever heard of the phrase pull focus or pulling focus? It's the idea of pulling you away from the thing you're either trying to do or trying to work on. Uh, via some other way. And what's interesting is I wrote about the idea of push notifications and pull notifications uh, several years ago on my blog. And it's something that I kind of wanted to revisit here because I try to keep my notifications to a minimum. And I, I think that's a big thing that you should try to do as well. And notifications are just that. They're notifications. They're not commands. And when you allow push notifications then what they do is they pull focus from what you might be doing at any given moment. So it's really important that when you are looking at a new app or you get a brand new device or what have you, and this doesn't just go for mobile, but it can also go for computers as well because like the latest Mac OS, uh, in fact, the last few iterations have allowed a notification center to happen on your desktop as well. Same thing happens with uh, browsers such as Chrome. You can get notifications, push notifications in your browser, which will pull focus from what you've been working on. And the idea of the push notifications is that the they are pushing you towards the thing that they want you to check out. So it's an email push notification or a Facebook Messenger push notification or an Instagram push notification. They pull focus. So you have to figure out where you're willing to allow your focus to be pushed and pulled from. So where are you thinking that, hey, it's okay for me to get interrupted and have my focus pulled 
because this notification is, is, is more important than what I'm working on right now, or it may contain something that's more important. So again, things like custom ringtones for people, that's a push notification, but it's one that gives you a little bit more of a clue. There's some more certainty surrounding it. Um, things like uh, deciding whether or not you want to have that giant red dot on, on an app, the badge versus just not worrying about it and getting, uh, you know, banners. You really need to be more conscientious about the notifications that you get because the more push notifications that you get, the more your focus is being pulled from other things. And if you really want to get some deep, meaningful work done, you can't be having your focus pulled in all different directions because then you won't go in the direction that you ultimately want to go. So there you have it. Think about notifications. Think about the push. Think about the pull. That's it for your three minutes of time crafting for today. I'm Mike Vardy. I'll see you later. This is your three minutes of time crafting for April 12th, 2019. I'm Mike Vardy. So in a recent conversation that I had with Justin Kerr, who has written the book, How to Be Great at Your Job, we talked about the idea of communication. And one of the things that I've noticed over the you know the years, and I've talked to a lot of people about communication, is what platforms and mediums we use to communicate, and are they always the best ones? Um, I, I've I've been thinking about things that are urgent. You know, if you need to communicate something to someone urgently, is email the best platform to do it? Is texting even the best platform to do it at this point? Is it the most productive and efficient way to communicate something urgent to someone? I would posit that no, it's not. At least email isn't. Maybe text messaging is because only select people may have your phone number. But even that's becoming a bit of an issue. What about actually picking up the phone and calling someone? Because not only do you get the, uh, the, the, the fact that it stands out, because you don't probably get that many phone calls these days, but also there's the nuance and the, and the tone in the voice that can tell you how urgent it really feels. There's some emotion attached to it, something that you're not necessarily going to get in a text message or in an email. And I think there's certain situations where a phone call does make more sense and it's a more productive way to communicate. Uh, whereas with email, is it really the best form of communication for tasks that you want to draw you know, attention uh, to if you, if you have something that's in there? Do you want to draw use email to try to draw attention to something? If it's something that needs to be done more immediately, I would say no. I would say that if it's something that is important and you need to draw attention to that, then sure. Uh, but subject lines play a big role in that too. You can actually create email subject lines that indicate importance or, you know, uh, or a level of, of uh, crucial uh, component to it. Again, I don't think email is the best form for urgent communication. But again, if you if, if you know that the person that you're dealing with is not someone that picks up the phone, then yes, putting something in the subject line would, would work that way. Now, how does this come back to Justin Kerr in my conversation with him? Well, he believed that communication is key. In fact, almost over-communicating. And you'll hear this on a future episode of the Productivityist podcast that I recorded with him. So uh, the other thing that I want to uh, take time to mention real quick before I wrap up is if you, uh, the, the, the seconds it takes to communicate something to someone, uh, if, if let's say you're going to be late for a meeting or, or whatnot, can make all the difference in the world with your credibility, character, and integrity. So take that time to do that, even if it only takes a few seconds, because those few seconds can make all the difference in the world between how the rest of your relationship is shaped with that person. So there's some communication tips here on three minutes of time crafting for today. That's it for today. Uh, I am Mike Vardy. 
I'll see you later. This is your three minutes of time crafting for April 13th, 2019. I'm Mike Vardy. Now, I have a framework that I believe is flexible enough for me. And the interesting thing about time crafting is that the flexibility that you have with it is very personal. You may have a schedule that is very rigid. You may have a lot of meetings and a lot of things that you know you know happen uh, with absolute certainty every single week. And so th- that framework in and of itself that's already been kind of thrust upon you is so rigid that you need to have more flexibility within that framework because there, you just don't have as much control as you might think. But let me let me dig in a little bit deeper to this. When it comes to frameworks, you want to have the flexibility that matters to you inside of it. If you know that you are working a nine to five job, for example, and inside of that, there is there's so much dynamic uh, stuff going on that for you to be able to nail down a daily theme for any of those days is impossible, then that's okay. Then you may want to look at things like, okay, how much time do I have between meetings? So using times to kind of indicate, hey, when can I work on these things? Or energy levels, like I've talked about before. If you're a morning person, you may want to tackle those heavier lifting tasks earlier in the day. And if you're a, a night owl, you may want to tackle some of the you know the heavier stuff later in the day. And same thing goes with the lower energy tasks. You may want to leverage your time that way and your attention that way. Uh, the different type of activities that you do. Hey, you know what I'm going to deal with communicating in the morning because that way I can get all that stuff out there. And then I'm going to uh, deal with all of my researching later in the day when people aren't bothering me as much. You really need to look at the shape of your day and the shape of your schedule in order to figure out what's going to fit for you so that you can have some flexibility in, in, a, in a week or in a day that may not seem to be flexible at all. Now, how does this relate to my schedule? Well, people, you know, when, when, they, when they hear about how I structure my day and my week, they say, you know, oh, that seems really, really rigid, the fact that, you, you know, you don't have any room for spontaneity. Uh, I disagree that I don't have room for spontaneity. I have the right amount of rigidity and the right amount of flexibility. I have my just right factor in there. I know that on a Friday when it's deep work day, my focus is to be on deep work. But if I'm feeling like I'm not able to get deep work done because I'm not at 100%, then I cast that aside for, for that instance and focus on, hey, let me do some of this shallow work stuff, the stuff I know I can do when I have little to no energy. Those kind of things uh, really, really can help. So again, your framework needs to be flexible enough for you and you alone. That's it for your three minutes of time crafting for today. I hope this was helpful. Uh, I'm Mike Vardy, and I will see you later. This is your three minutes of time crafting for April 14th, 2019. I'm Mike Vardy. I used to batch all of the episodes of this podcast into my listening day, and I would do them all on a Wednesday, which is my listening day. Uh, That's because it just made the most sense to do it. There was nobody around the house, and I decided that that would be the way to record these. I mapped out all of the episodes that I wanted to do. I had everything mapped out actually until this day. Uh, you know, that was something that I had done in advance, and I still do that. But what I don't do anymore is I don't batch all of my episodes to be done on my listening day any longer. And there's a reason for that. I've talked about this in past episodes, but I like to make waves every day. And one of the waves that I wasn't making was my audio wave. I wasn't doing audio work every single day. I didn't feel 
that connection to my audio tasks because I wasn't doing them on days other than Wednesdays. So what I decided to do was I took a look at my schedule and I said, okay, listen, what are the core listening tasks that I'm going to do on Wednesday, which is my listening day. And that involved the weekly podcast. Why? Because it's weekly. So I would do things like review analytics, record the opening and closings to episodes, things like that. Things that I know were going to take, uh, let's say, not more time. Well, actually, yes, more time. But also, uh, there was a lot more to it than that. Whereas this podcast, the Three Minutes of Time Crafting podcast, I can literally sit down and record one episode per day, most days of the week. And not only do I fulfill that waves that I want to fulfill, but I also am able to build off of that as momentum for my day. So doing this daily podcast earlier in the day before lunchtime, and sometimes even earlier than that, it allows me to kind of have a jump start for my day. And if I'm reading something and, and I find that I'm inspired by it, then I can go with, with that. If I am having a conversation with someone, I can run with that as maybe the, the central theme of that day's episode. So it gives me more, go figure, flexibility, which I've talked about recently as well, within the framework. Now, again, there are going to be instances where I can't record audio on, uh, on a given basis. So uh, for example, I'm recording this in a, in a batch, in a series of episodes, because my kids are going to be home more over the next couple days than usual. So I recorded, you know, Friday's episode, Saturday's episode, Sunday's episodes, and Monday's episode all at once, because it just made the most sense. It's what was reasonable to do. So there you go, a bit of insights as to how I'm able to do audio every single day and how sometimes batching can work, but only in, it doesn't necessarily have to be the only way you do something. This has been your three minutes of time crafting. I'm Mike Vardy. I'll see you later. This is your three minutes of time crafting for April 15th, 2019. I'm Mike Vardy. So I always start these episodes with the word so, and it's, it's, it's feeling like I am trying to, you know, impart something really quickly. So here's the deal. And what I'm going to share with you today is the deal of writing this book that I'm working on, which is my next big project. And the the process of writing a book, especially as opposed to a blog post or a social media update or anything like that, is that there is a sense of permanence to this book when it gets out there. I'm looking at all of my past work, the front nine, how to start the year you want, anytime you want. That's informing the new book. The Productivityist Playbook is informing the new book. Even some of the other lesser known books that I've written that are on Amazon and and or that are free through through the website, that those are informing uh, the book writing process. There is a lot to writing a book. The whole process of putting a book together is daunting, but. What I want to share with you today is that in order for me to write this book, I've had to take doses of my own medicine in instances where I didn't think I would need to, because you'd think I would know all of this already. So for example, when I sit down to write, my brain is immediately going, oh, you have to write this book. This book has to be done by a certain time. All of these things are going on in your head. Oh, it's, you know, it's, it's the middle of April already. You need to get this done. Instead of breaking down that project to its smallest particles. Hey, you know what? I need to spend time reviewing this chapter to make sure that anything I dictated makes sense. I need to uh, review a chapter in The Gift of Time to make sure that 
stuff in there that needs to be in this book is in this book. I need to uh, sit down and write 500 words for this section. Having very uh, small steps and small uh, elements, these particles of this project is really helpful. And when you're looking ahead to the outcome, to the final result, Sometimes you get caught up in the final result, the book that it is going to be, the all the other things that need to happen. Just work at it bit by bit, step by step, no matter what it is, whether it's a book, whether it's a big project of any sort, break it down to its smallest particles. Uh, because that project is, the, the way you're going to make that project is as, as, as great as it can be is by making sure that every step along the way is covered. And I'm feeling that right now as I'm going through this entire process. It's a fun process, but it's a big process. This has been your three minutes of time crafting. I hope this was helpful. I hope you can relate to this. I'm Mike Vardy, and I will see you later. Here is your three minutes of time crafting for April 16th, 2019. I'm Mike Vardy. I have a pretty good memory. Well, let me rephrase that. I've had a pretty good memory. I'm usually really good at remembering uh, long moments of time from a long time ago. So I can remember driving through Georgia and seeing this pecan at the side of the road. I can remember very momentous occasions like that. But there are instances that I can feel that my memory is going and I'm forgetting more stuff. I'm not sure if it's because, you know, I'm just getting older. I'm sure that plays a role. But I think also it's that I am more reliant and and I rely more on my ability and my kind of my process of just capturing things as they come to me so that I don't have to rely on my memory uh, as much as I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in relying on your brain to do the deep, heavy work, almost the creation work, as opposed to the retention work. I think that there are other things that are far better at doing that, um, you know, journaling, uh, you know, calendars, things like that, things that are, you know, external. Whereas I think memories being internalized, I think that they can play tricks on you. So uh, when it comes to forgetting, I think it's okay to forget. And further to that, I think that when it comes to time crafting, it's almost that you have to be okay with forgetting and then knowing that you're going to forget things and then making sure that you're putting yourself in the best position so that, you know, you don't have to worry about forgetting anything. You know that, you know, at this time of year that it's probably the time that you should be weeding the garden. So putting it on your to-do list to say, hey, don't forget to weed the garden or call the gardener or whatever. So I think that, that we need to be okay with forgetting the trivial so that we can remember the things that really matter. And if you know that you're going to forget the trivial anyway, then it's probably best to put yourself in a position that, you know, to have a system that allows you to not have to worry about forgetting them to say, hey, you know, I just have to look at this list or refer to this document. And I know that these are the things that need to happen. Uh, Again, I think it's also crucial to do that when it comes to steps for a project, putting down every, you know, the minimum viable details for tasks. So that way you don't forget anything. So when it comes to forgetting, we're all going to do it. Uh, Some will do it more than others. Some things will fall through the cracks while others don't you have to own it and you have to figure out a way to get past that so that 
the things that you are prone to forget, uh, you, you don't worry about them slipping through the cracks again and again. This has been your three minutes of time crafting. I'm Mike Vardy. We'll see you later. This is your three minutes of time crafting for April 17th, 2019. I'm Mike Vardy. When you open a banana, when you grab a banana and you decide to open it, which way do you open it? Do you open it from the stem that's at the supposed top of the banana? Or do you open it from the base of the banana? What's interesting is that the actual way that most monkeys and primates uh, open up the banana is they use the base of the banana. They, they don't use the top part because they use that as kind of a handle. But for years, I've always use the top part of the banana because I figured it was almost like a zipper piece that you just unzip and then the banana peels. Turns out that's not the most practical way to do it. It doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means for me it's not the most practical and for uh, all practical purposes it's probably not the best way to do it. But you've, you've probably been doing it that way for years too. Only recently have I stopped doing it that way. And it seems weird to... Uh, discuss bananas and how we open bananas when I'm supposed to be talking to you about time crafting. But realistically, there's there's something to this. It's, it's about the biases that we have. This idea that this is the way I've always done it, so this must be the way it's supposed to be done is prevalent, not just in opening bananas, but in so many other things that we do in our daily lives. So what you need to start to do is start to question those things not necessarily to prove that they are not true, but to find out if they are true in the first place and decide whether that matters to you or not. For example, if you are looking at a task and it seems much larger to you than it really appears, you know, a work on report, write book, uh, you know, plan, vacation, you may need to break that down to smaller tasks, break that project down to smaller particles. But for things like grocery shopping, you may not need to do that because you've done it so often. So really what this is all about is about questioning what you have always held to be you know, popular beliefs and ask yourself, is this really true? Is this really the best way to do it? Is, does this make the most sense? Are there other ways to look at it? And when you do that, by the way, you don't just open up the world uh, of opportunity for you to look at things and approach things differently, but you are also able to be more open to the way other people do things as well, which can be really helpful when you're not only crafting your time, but you know, kind of keeping track of what others are doing because, frankly, they have an impact on your time as well. That's it for your three minutes of time crafting for today. I hope you enjoyed this little weird episode. I'm Mike Vardy. We'll see you later. Here's your three minutes of time crafting for April 18th, 2019. I'm Mike Vardy. Diamond Dallas Page had something that he did. He's a wrestler, and he now runs the very popular DDP Yoga program, which has basically taken uh, the fitness world by storm in some respects. And he used to start off his music with the term, at least when he was in WCW, self-high-five. So this idea of high-fiving yourself, like congratulating yourself, praising yourself. And he's an interesting story because he was 
basically a guy who joined the wrestling industry really late, was a manager, and then ultimately became a wrestler after being a manager. And normally it works the other way around. You're an accomplished wrestler, you retire, you become a manager. It worked the exact opposite way for him. And by the time he was wrapping up, uh, you know, his his run in WCW when WCW ran, you know, went out of business, he was one of their final champions. He had a hot run where he was tag teaming with Carl Malone on main events of pay-per-views. And he was uh, he still to this day is regarded as one of the greater uh, underdog stories in, in professional wrestling. Why do I tell you this? Why do I say that, you know, um, why do I tell you about a professional wrestler when it comes to time management? Well, first off, number one, it's never too late to ultimately do what you want to be doing. I'm, as I'm sitting here right now, thinking about that stuff after just watching uh, Jerry Maguire again and uh, reading, you know, the manifesto, the, the, the statement, the mission statement of the things we think and do not say. And during that mission statement, he actually mentioned something which I, I thought was rather interesting. He said, you know, one of the quotes is driving home, I think, of what was not accomplished instead of what was accomplished. I think it's important when you look at your to-do list at the end of the day, when you look at your week at the end of the week, when you look at your month at the end of the month, and when you look at your year at the end of the year, that you don't look at what you didn't do so much as you look at what you did do. Yes, there are going to be things that you're not going to get done. There are going to be things that you did not accomplish, but you need to give yourself praise for the things that you did. You know, that, that idea of self-praise is important. You know, you don't want to fool yourself during that process, but by the same token, and journaling is a great way to do this, by the way, you want to give yourself praise for the things that you did accomplish because, and even the small things, the things you maybe never intended to do, but you did because those things can lead to bigger results down the line. I mean, look at Diamond Dallas Page. He was a bouncer, then became a wrestling manager, and then became the world champion of wrestling. It, it, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. So remember, give yourself a high five every once in a while for the things you did because they matter. Here That's is your three, minutes, three minutes, minutes of time, time crafting, crafting for, for today. I'm Mike Vardy. I'll see you later. 2019, I'm Mike Vardy. Tasks are hidden everywhere. Sometimes they are hard to find. Sometimes they are hiding in plain sight. A great example of tasks that are hiding in plain sight are the ones that are hidden inside of much larger tasks, which are not actually tasks at all. They're projects. A great example of a bunch of hidden tasks is a meal, plan your meals for the week. You could say that inside of there, there will be seven different hidden tasks, possibly 21, if you want to say plan breakfast for Monday, plan breakfast for Tuesday, plan lunch for Monday, plan lunch for Tuesday, plan dinner, and so on and so forth. You could also say that inside of that task is the idea of grocery shopping. There are lots of tasks that can hide in such a, inside of much larger task projects. I call them the particles of projects. In order to uncover those, you need to break down projects to their smallest component. I have drilled this home uh, on several episodes of this daily podcast, as well as in my writing and, and a bunch of other places. So that's one place where tasks can be hidden. So when you see 
a task that is large, which is a project, know that there are tasks hiding inside of it. That's one very obvious place. Uh, once you get used to actually playing the game a bit more and looking for these hidden tasks. Another place that tasks are hidden, and they actually also, they don't hide in plain sight, but they hide in, and they try to fool you. They almost appear and disappear, kind of like a, a whack-a-mole, is in your head. There are tasks that are in your head that uh, are hiding there that need to be put out in front of you. They need to be put into a digital app. They need to put on a paper planner. They need to put on somewhere. They need to get out of your head. So the next time you have some task that pops into your mind, don't let it sit there because it will find places to hide. It will hide behind other, you know, more more important things in the moment. It will hide behind the 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 throes of of a busy day. It will hide in places that you would not even think to look. So when you find that hidden task that is inside of your head, get it out of your head and put it somewhere where you can see it and find it much easier. And then better still have a framework in place that allows you to make sure it doesn't get lost inside of that framework because tasks can also get hidden in a very large to-do list application or a very large planner because if it's not the list isn't segmented well enough it's going to be harder to find them it's not as hard to find there and in other places but hidden tasks they need to be found they want to be found and that way they can be done this has been your three minutes of time crafting for today i'm mike vardy here's we'll your three you minutes of time crafting for april 20th 2019. I'm Mike Vardy. I have been a proponent of using apps for a long time, ever since I was able to get my first iPhone, which I managed to get through eBay in the United States and bring to Canada when very few people had them. I was a big, big believer in what the smartphone could do, and especially the iPhone when it came to apps. One of the biggest things I wanted to try were to-do list apps, apps that would allow me to look at the tasks and stop using a daily planner and a, other digital tools that weren't necessarily as fully functioned as, say, the iPhone was. But there's an inherent problem with using tools like apps that you don't really take into account when it comes to time and attention management and task management and all that stuff is the fact that a lot of these apps change over time, whether it's the user interface or whether the app even survives. And I've seen, believe me, my fair share of productivity and time management apps that have gone by the wayside over the years. There is no timelessness to an app. A lot of apps have frameworks built in that can have a timeless element to them. But what tends to happen is we rely on the app and then when the app goes away or makes changes or changes the way that they're framing their pricing structure and so many other things, we end up freaking out because the app is what we've come to rely on. But again, you can't rely on timelessness of apps when it comes to your time management because apps by their very nature evolve. They are not timeless technology changes. There's constant innovation. And sometimes with innovation comes obsolescence, like obsolescence rather than obsolescence. And ultimately deletion though. So here's what I want you to think about. The next time you look at a to-do list app, you're going to want to look at something that's simple, that you can adapt to your needs. And not only that, but you can do it on paper. You can use it in a variety of ways 
which is what I love about time crafting. One of the things that I've developed with time crafting is the ability to use any app you want and time craft within that app. So the, the ability to, to look at an app and, and be able to say, you know what, if this app goes away, I'll be okay because it's the framework and the approach that needs the timelessness aspect to it, because you're not going to get that inside of an application. So I want you to think about that going forward. Look for timelessness in your framework and in your approach and in your process, not so much in the tools that you use to get the job done. That's it for your three minutes of time crafting for today. I'm Mike Vardy. I'll see you later. This is your three minutes of time crafting for April 21st, 2019. I'm Mike Vardy. The Samsung Galaxy Fold is a brand new shiny phone, and I loved watching the videos that Casey Neistat did about it, Levi Allen, and all of the newness around it. I even signed up, I'll admit it, I signed up to learn more about the tool when it comes out with this phone. Not because I'm going to move to Android, I'm still very much an iOS user, although, you know, there are some things that I really like about the phone. The fact that I can turn it from a small device into a big device may eliminate the need to have a small device such as an iPhone and a bigger device such as an iPad. But I digress. Why is why am I fascinated by this? Why am I not the only one that's fascinated by this? I'll tell you. It's the newness surrounding it. It's it's a new technology. It's a new device. And here's what happens when something new shows up. We tend to look at it as something that we either we not that we can't live without but it, it, it's shiny, it's new, it takes us uh, hostage in a way. It, takes us, it captures our imagination and it pulls us away from the things that are, as I talked about before, timeless. I talked about this yesterday, this timelessness component. Newness is great. We all, as human beings, one of our natural inclinations is to explore, is to find new things, is to find new things inside of old things. But I bet you that many of you listening, if you're listening right now, there are probably things that are brand new inside of the technology and devices and the approaches that you use that you haven't even scratched the surface of yet, let alone discovered. So here's the thing. When you're looking at something new, See where it came from in the first place. See what you're already using in the first place and see if you can carve something new out of that. I can tell you that as I've developed time crafting, that there has been a lot of evolutions and, and, and changes to it over the, over the years that I've developed it. There has been new things that I've thought about. You know, getting rid of the three words and putting the annual axiom in, for example. Uh, adding things like the daily baseline for a productive day. Things like that. There's newness within the the framework, the construct of the thing that is timeless, the thing that is older, the thing that is established. So yeah, get the Samsung Galaxy Fold if your intention is to use it in a way that the newness is something that you can leverage. If you don't want to buy a new iPad or a new tablet and a new phone, and it can be all in that all-in-one device, that's fine. But don't buy it because it's new. Don't invest in something new because it's new. Invest in it because it's going to work. Because there's a need there. That's it for your three minutes of time crafting for today. I'm Mike Vardy. Here is your three you minutes of time crafting for April 22nd, 2019. I'm Mike Vardy. Whenever I look at my monthly themes, 
the first thing I think about is the fact that they are my overarching focus for a period of 28 to 31 days, depending on the month. But the reason that I've chosen them is because of the impact that they will have, not just on the lives of, of others, but on my own life. Impact is such an important consideration when you are talking about productivity and time management. When you are looking at your to-do list, if you can see the impact that doing those things will have on you and on others, and it's a positive impact, then it's a task or a project worth working on. In fact, if you want to make sure it has the maximum impact it can, then you're going to want to make sure you put forth your best effort, which may mean breaking down that project into smaller parts, which you should do anyways, but it may also mean that it's not, you, you need to time it right. So for example, releasing my, my new book, I would love to have that come out sooner, but in order for it to have the impact that I want it to have, it's going to have to come out later. And if I want to make sure that it has the greatest impact of all, then I've had to break down the book project into several different components such as the writing of the book, the planning of the book, all of that stuff is spread over an extended period of time because I want it to have that much of an impact. When you think about something that's near and dear to my heart, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the, the new movie, Avengers Endgame, is coming out just in a couple of days. It is the culmination of over 20 films over a nearly 11-year period it's going to culminate in this final story of the infinity saga. It's taken a lot of time. The impact of even the movie before this infinity war was huge. Imagine the impact that this final film is going to have. So I want you to look at your to-do list and see not what tasks need to be done and what you want to do, but what impact those tasks are going to have. And if they're not going to have much of an impact, ask yourself if they need to be done at all, or if you need to be the one that's doing them. And better still, if there's there are things that need to be done and and you're confused or conflicted as to whether or not you should spend the time to show someone how to do it or train someone how to do it, remember that there are other tasks on your list or other projects that do require you over above all else. And in order for you to have the impact that you want to have with it, you're going to have to let go of some stuff. So think about that as you look at your to-do list today, tomorrow, and going forward. This has been your three minutes of time crafting. I'm Mike Vardy. I'll see you later. Here's your three minutes of time crafting for April 23rd, 2019. I'm Mike Vardy. The days are busy. The weeks are busy. The hours, the minutes, so much is going on. I was talking to someone today about how fast the world is and how what may seem like two years uh, feels like one and what feels like one year may actually be two. Time is moving on whether we want it to or not. And the one thing that we want to make sure that we don't lose sight of along the way because it impacts everything else. And I wrote about this in a uh, edition of the dailies not too long ago is the idea that there's five key ingredients to pure personal productivity. Uh, the two are very particular, which I talk about all the time, which are intention and, and attention. Those are the purest ones, the ones you need the most. But in order for all of that to really kind of take hold is you need to have awareness. 
when you lose awareness, you lose sight of why you're doing things in the first place. You lose sight of why things are happening the way they are. You you just there's you 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 aren't as grounded. I, I shared a video not too long ago, uh, which was a uh, an abridged version of video of David Foster Wallace's uh, commencement speech. This is water. Awareness is is one of the key components to figuring stuff out and being present. And when you lose that, then it's a very slippery slope because without awareness, you can't have clarity. Without clarity, you can't have focus. And without focus, intention and attention end up being both powerless and directionless in a lot of ways, even when they work together in tandem. If you don't have, if you're not aware you can't get clear. And if you can't get clear, then you can't focus. And so your intentions, no matter how powerful they might seem to be, you can't grab onto them. And without attention to be married with those, they just skirt on by or they get buried in so much other stuff. I've recently started meditating again. It was a practice I I stopped because I thought, well, no, I'm good. I'm getting the right things done. But when I meditate, my awareness is heightened. And so I'm getting back into it. Now, you may not need to meditate. Maybe it's just you need to go for a walk. Maybe journaling is what you need to do. But whenever you feel lost, lost in your to-do list, lost in your work, lost period, like overwhelmed, try to tap into that awareness. Just become more aware. That's a big lesson that you can take away. This has been your three minutes of time crafting. I'm Mike Vardy. We'll see you later. Here's your three minutes of time crafting for April 24th, 2019. I'm Mike Vardy. So admin work is one of those things that we all have to do. Administrative work is just an element, and I'm using administrative work as kind of a catch-all for kind of the things that are, they don't really get too deep in terms of um, you know, any kind of writing or report writing or anything like that. But administrative work is just, it's almost like maintenance work. In fact, I often use the term maintenance uh, over administrative because it it's more about keeping the status quo and, you know, doing the, quote, busy work rather than doing anything that is going to have a, a major impact uh, in one fell swoop. Sure, not doing administrative work and not doing maintenance will have an impact as well. But it, that's because you're letting it go and letting it slide as opposed to, you know, not making progress. In fact, if anything, by doing administrative and maintenance kind of work, you're, you're able to keep the status quo, which is great in some situations, but not great in all. And so why do I want to focus on administrative work on this particular three minutes of time crafting episode? Well, the reason is that I used to actually have a day where I focused entirely on administrative work. It was one of my daily themes. But the problem with that is administrative work or maintenance kind of work, the very nature of it is almost perpetual. It needs to be done regularly, if not daily. And so I incorporated into a horizontal theme that I've that I'm doing uh, called maintenance mode, and that happens between nine and nine thirty in the morning when my energy is at its lowest, and I just want to start building momentum for the day. So again, why am I bringing this up? Well, it's pretty clear that you have administrative work to do. 
both not just in terms of work stuff, because that's the other key thing, but in terms of life stuff. So my recommendation to you, if you are starting to look at all of your tasks on your to-do list, all of the tasks inside of projects that seem to be more maintenance or administrative oriented, is to align them or attune them with the time of day or the days of the week or both that lend itself to, you know, more, uh, a better time to do it. Uh, you know, if you find that administrative work is tough for you to do, you might want to do it during a time of day where it's high energy. If not, then it might be something you might want to do when you have low energy. But you need to kind of batch these kind of things. And so instead of spending a whole day working on administrative work or instead of, uh, you know, uh, putting yourself in a position where it becomes the thing you do most of the time, I would tend to isolate that stuff and figure out, hey, when can I go into admin or maintenance mode and get that stuff done so I can move on to the stuff that's really going to have an impact uh, in, in a bigger way. This has been your three minutes of time crafting. I'm Mike Vardy. I'll see you later. This is your three minutes of time crafting for April 25th, 2019. I'm Mike Vardy. Gratitude is one of the gateways to journaling, and journaling is one of the best things that you can do for productivity. Displaying gratitude puts everything in perspective. It allows you to be more open to what you did achieve and what you do have as opposed to focusing on what you didn't do and what you don't have. So if you are really struggling with understanding how to deal with overwhelm and not necessarily getting to the level that you want to every single day in terms of tasks completed or measurements achieved, focus on gratitude. And gratitude is something that is easily accessible if you really want to give it a try. There are so many things that we can be grateful for every single day. And I know that that gets a bit touchy-feely for some people, but realistically, it doesn't have to be touchy-feely. It can't be that I'm grateful that the sun is shining. I'm grateful that I live in a beautiful city. It can be I'm grateful that I have this technology that occasionally drives me nuts that allows me to be connected to people across the miles. For example, uh, my wife is about to head out of town again and she's going to be gone for five days and I'm grateful that I have the technology to be able to have video calls with her despite the fact that sometimes my technology is the very thing that keeps me from moving forward with some of the bigger impact things because it does keep me hyper-connected. So always look at things from, from the perspective of gratitude when you can because it's a gateway to it's a gateway to appreciation and appreciation can really foster this understanding that things aren't as quote bad as they seem when you're overwhelmed or when you're not feeling super productive. So if you're looking at how you can be grateful first thing in the morning, display gratitude. You know, the fact that you woke up, that's something to be grateful for. If you're thinking about journaling, which like I said, is a gateway to uh, better productivity when you're starting off with your journal entry and you don't know what to journal about, journal about what you're grateful for. There are so many ways for you to display gratitude every single day. It doesn't have to be publicly done. It doesn't have to be any big overtures. It's just something that you should do in some small measure because the small gains of gratitude that you give to yourself and to others every single day will be something that you can build upon. And that's really ultimately what productivity is. It's building upon things bit by bit by bit. And again, my friend Carl Stabe talks about gratitude. He's he's big on that. 
And uh, I've learned a lot from him on that. And I know that you can too. So uh, that's it. That's your three minutes of time crafting for today. I'm Mike Vardy. We'll see you later. Here's your three minutes of time crafting for April 26th, 2019. I'm Mike Vardy. When you look at your to-do list every single day, I think one of the most important things you can ask yourself is, is this taking me in the direction that I ultimately want to go? Are the majority of the items on here doing that? Sure. You're going to have, as I've mentioned, your administrative tasks. You're going to have the stuff that you're, you're destined to do primarily because if you don't do them, then you're going to run into issues down the road. So you understand that. Hopefully you understand that those things may have been able to be done earlier and you've waited too long. So when you look at your to-do list, it's important to kind of analyze it. Not just get at it and go. Not just open up your email and see what other things may have come your way and then get at it and go after you've dealt with all those things. Really look at your to-do list because your to-do list can be kind of twisted if you don't. It can twist and turn you into directions that you never wanted to go and didn't expect to go. It could be driven by intentions that you really don't have. It could be driven by old intentions. It could be driven by intentions that uh, are not of the bigger picture overall, but just of the pure moment. I'll give you a great example. Uh, Finance can often twist what goes on your to-do list. You know, if you are feeling that you're in a financial pinch and you you say, you know, I've got to do this because I've got to earn more money, um, you may be sacrificing valuable time with your kids or valuable time on things that will ultimately pay off better in the long run for short-term games, gains rather. But here's the thing is that, uh, you know, uh, there was a, a quote that I heard recently, uh, no amount of money will buy you one second of time. So really when you, when you take a look at your to-do list, really look at it, segment your to-do list. I've always said that, uh, you know, really leverage the time that you have in the day to accomplish the things in your to-do list that you really need to be accomplishing. Look at it and say, hey, I may not need to be doing this or I may need to put some kind of process in place to make this easier. Don't let your to-do list twist you around because when you get twisted around too much, you get dizzy and it's kind of like spin the tail on the donkey. You end up walking around and you get nowhere near the target. And you you cheer yourself on because you get that close to it, but wouldn't it be better if you get close every single time, if not hit the exact target? So get out of your own way and make sure that your to-do list is doing everything to help you do that. There you go. That's it. So take a look at your to-do list this morning and ask yourself, is it getting me where I really want to go? This has been your three minutes of time crafting. I'm Mike Vardy. We'll see you later. Here's your three minutes of time crafting for April 27th, 2019. I'm Mike Vardy. I wanted to make sure that I dedicated more of my time and energy, not just to noticing things visually, which I've been reading uh, an advanced copy of Rob Walker's new book, The Art of Noticing, but noticing things uh, audibly. And while hearing is how you would do that to a degree, It's really listening, really listening, that puts you in a better position to really notice things. And 
it really kind of compels you to pay attention. And attention is one of those key elements in productivity. So hearing what has been said or what your heart or your brain or what your to-do list is kind of trying to say to you is one thing, but really listening to it plays a role. Um, And a lot of the things that I listen to aren't just from what other people are saying, but from what I'm I'm saying internally. And much like anything else, much like to really, you know, watch or look as opposed to see, uh, listening is far more active than passive. You really need to focus. Uh, You need to try to remove any and all other noise, in this case, actual sound noise from the equation so that you can really listen. And it also takes patience to do that too. Um, Because sometimes you don't, you don't notice things right away when you're listening, you have to, there's nuance, there's tone, there's all that stuff that that matters. Hearing is, is, it doesn't, it doesn't do that to the same degree, whereas you with you really listen, you can do that. And, and you don't, by the way, you, listening doesn't always have to happen with your ears either. Uh, there, are, there are so many different ways to listen. So I want, I challenge you to spend some time, not just looking at your to-do list and looking at your calendar over the next week or so or beyond, even your journal entries, really listen to them. Listen to what the tasks are saying on your to-do list. Listen to what your calendar is, is telling you. Listen to what your journal entries sound like. Really listen. I guarantee if you do that, you're going to find some things in there that you wouldn't recognize otherwise. So there you have it. Listening matters. Taking the time to listen really does matter. And it can play a huge role in how well you invest and spend your time. This has been your three minutes of time crafting. I'm Mike Barty. We'll see you later. This is your three minutes of time crafting for April 28th, 2019. I'm Mike Barty. I've seen Avengers Endgame. I'm not going to spoil it for you. I saw it at the very first opportunity I could. The first showing on the day it came out. I have a coin to prove it. I was at the fan event. Heroism is something that's been hugely represented in movies over the years. And now we're seeing more and more superhero movies. In fact, so much so that they, you know, they're the ones that are earning all the money. They're the ones that are getting all the hype. And what's interesting to me about heroism is as I've spent time looking at that, uh, I've been thinking about the, and I've been adding this to my book, by the way, the idea of tasks that are almost heroic and the ones that are not, you know, what tasks are going to, that, that can essentially save the day. You can be your own hero every single day. And there are certain tasks that will allow you to do that. Some of them are big. Some of them are small. Here's an example of one that, you know, one that could be big for you. It's taking the time to exercise, to work towards getting in shape. That could be a heroic task for you because it has a much greater impact than you might realize at first glance. Uh, Taking the time to be social. That's another one of my daily, you know, being social. That can be something that's heroic in that even if you take the time to pick up the phone and call someone you haven't spoken to in a long time or write them a letter or even drop them a text, that can be heroic. Uh, Admitting that you've made a mistake can be heroic too. Like, 
asking, uh, uh, telling someone that you've, you know, and actually this is pretty funny because today it wasn't really so much a, I was made a huge mistake, but there was, um, I was talking to someone about Stephen Covey and uh, they said, oh yes, I'm, I'm going to be meeting with Stephen Covey. And I said, well, you can't because Stephen Covey's dead. I had no real, I, I knew that he had a son, Sean Covey, but I had no idea that he also had a son named Stephen Covey. So I texted that person and said, you know, a couple other things, but I also said, hey, by the way, sorry, I was mistaken. There was a Stephen Covey uh, that is still alive. It's the son of, 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 you know, the Stephen Covey I was speaking of. Sean is also Stephen's son. That may not seem like a heroic task, but that could be something that, you know, asking for, you know, you know, admitting your mistake, admitting that you were wrong. Those things can be very heroic. So, you know, if you could take some time to look at the appointments on your calendar, the tasks on your to-do list, and, and we talked about listening to, to your tasks and, and listening to your calendar, listening to your journal entries. So now maybe take a look and find out which ones are the heroic ones that might be hiding in plain sight. I've talked about hidden tasks as well. Heroic tasks are there. Isolate them, figure them out, and then recognize that if you do them, you could really save your day. This has been your three minutes of time crafting. I'm Mike Vardy. We'll see you later. This is your three minutes of time crafting for April 29th, 2019. I'm Mike Vardy. When you wish for something, you are basically setting out your ideals for an intention that you want to have happen. If you were to wish to have a, let's use me as an example, the book I'm working on, that it goes well during launch. That's a wish. I wish that will happen. You have the ability to be your own genie in a bottle with situations like that. When you're wishing and putting your wish list together, we talk about wish lists all the time. You know, I mean, there's a wish list for gifts that you might want to receive. There's a wish list uh, on Amazon. Uh, there's a wish list uh, on, you know, apps on the, on the app store. Uh, wishes are things that you desire. Um, and sometimes you put those out to the universe with the hopes that someone will be able to help you get there. But in many cases, you have the ability to make that wish come true on your own should you really want it. If I wish that my book launch was to be successful, there are things that I can do to help make that wish come true. But the problem with a lot of things that we wish for is that we put it out to the universe and then hope that it lands, hope that it comes our way. I wish to have all the things on my to-do list taken care of today. Well, that's going to take some effort, some energy, and the stars may have to align a certain way to make that happen. But there are ways that you can frame your days, frame your time in such a way that that you can get either the wish of realizing your day working out the way you want it to, such as getting all your heroic tasks done and all that such. That can happen. So the wish, the wish part, which I want to kind of address, first off, um, some wishes are not realistic at all, at least in the present moment. That's what journaling's for. That's what you know vision boards are for to a degree. Because they are long-term kind of ideals, long-term goals, let's say. But there are some wishes that you can take care of right away. Like, I want to have a better day. Okay, well, how do I do that? So the wish, if you could follow it up with the why, why do you want that wish to be realized and how are you going to put it together? Your wish list can actually become a to-do list. Uh, it may look very different once it turns from a wish list to, to a to-do list because one is aspirational and one might be actionable. But nonetheless, wishes can appear on your to-do list. They just need to be 
isolated and, and, you know, uh, kind of unpacked in a way that makes them doable. So it's okay to put wishes on your to-do list. Maybe you want to tag them as such. Hey, this is a wish. Because then that kind of compels you to break them down into something that can really actually happen. This has been your three minutes of time crafting for today. I'm Mike Vardy. We'll see you later. This is your three minutes of time crafting for April 30th, 2019. I'm Mike Vardy. Yeah, I can't sleep. It's weird because I occasionally am able to stay up late. In fact, more often than not, I'm able to stay up late. But recently I've found that there's some nights where I need to go to bed early. This was one of those nights, but I got to be honest, I can't sleep. And what I want to get across with this particular episode is the fact that being honest is one of those key elements to productivity and your to-do list that you need to adhere to. If you're not honest with the amount of activity that's on your to-do list as to what's doable, what isn't, if you're not honest in terms of listening to what your body is trying to tell you, if you're not honest with the amount of commitments that you can make that are doable versus which ones aren't, then you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Honesty is one of those cornerstones that we think of just in, in, as a basic human decency element, but it does play a role in our productivity. Uh, let me break things down for you. Breaking things down is a great example of being honest. When you look at your to-do list, ask yourself, is your to-do list being honest with you? Is it truly broken down in a way that it's not deceiving you, that it's something that you can trust? That's one way. Uh, looking at the idea of theming your days, which I've talked about before. If you look at the idea of theming your days and uh, you dismiss it out of hand because it's just something that you can't possibly do or theming your time is just not something you can do, then that's not being honest either. There are things that you need to take a look at when it comes to productivity and time management that are perpetual. Things like focus, things like awareness, things like clarity, attention, intention, those two last parts specifically. But for any of those to really matter, honesty needs to be one of those things that happen up front. If you're not honest about your intentions, won't matter if you pay attention to them. If you're not honest about where your attention's going, then it's really not being paid properly. If you're not honest about the things that you're being clear about, then it won't matter if you're clear. If you're not honest about the things that you're trying to become aware about, if you're not honest about your focus, none of that stuff will matter. So really take a look at the things that you're trying to accomplish. Take a look at your work habits. Take a look at all of that stuff and ask yourself, are you really being honest about them? And are they being honest with you in return? Those things are really key elements when it comes to your personal productivity. And they often get overlooked because, well, to be honest, sometimes they don't seem to matter. This has been your three minutes of time crafting. I'm Mike Vardy. We'll see you later.